lovers, and welcome to the Liberty Mike Podcast, broadcasting from an undisclosed location in the heart of Dixie. I am Michael, and I am here with Liberty Larry. How's it going? Doing okay. So, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I did. We, we did ours like almost a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, we did Thanksgiving on Monday, because that's when all the family was in town, so. That's cool. Um, it was fun. And I, I had to miss a lot of the family in town because I had the flu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to the awesome. doctor because um, my family from up north I, has been like thoroughly propagandized about COVID. And uh, I thought that, I mean, I don't know this for sure. I was just getting ahead of the game. Yeah. Um, but I thought uh, if I'm like sniffly and sneezing and coughing, they then, may not want to be around yeah, you. They, I might not be allowed to come to Thanksgiving, so I better just go ahead and get the COVID test now so that I can say, no, look, it's negative. It's just allergies or a cold or whatever. Yeah. And it's no big deal. So I went to the doctor and and got all the testing done. And they were like, well, you don't have COVID and you don't have strep throat, but you do have the flu. <laughs> so they test for all of that in one test now? No, it's not one test. I had to get swabbed over and over again. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I, I would have consented for that. <laughs> it, it sucks. Like, the, it was the brain tickling through both nostrils and then swabbed the back of the throat. And, like, I don't know. Oh, man. That sounds horrible. It, well, I mean, it's like 10 seconds of horrible and then it's yeah, over. Still, though. Um, I thought that it was worth it to spend Thanksgiving with family. Well, that's but then fair. I ended up missing a bunch of it anyway because I had the flu. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so well, I missed like the first two days. Everybody was in town. The flu is going around heavy right now. Yeah, uh, the, I mean you can still probably hear I'm like still nasal, yeah. nasally sounding in my voice. But um, I, <laughs> you know, the, that's what the doctor was telling me while we were waiting for the results of the test. Yeah. Uh, she said, uh, you know, we haven't had any COVID, but we have had a lot of flu. The flu's been really bad this year. Yeah. And I said, well, <laughs> this is me, right? <laughs> yeah. So I said. Well, I'd be really surprised if it's the flu because I really don't feel bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <All> right. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, flu. Of course it is. Well, I'm worried because I feel like I'm losing my voice. My my throat's killing me. It's, it started right before I came over. I called you to make sure we were good. Yeah. Because so I may not be as talkative as I normally am. <laughs> Aren't you but the quiet guy on the podcast? I am I am the, the quiet guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you may, I may be really quiet tonight. Well, I do if, have some throat <laughs> lozenges, and they seem to be helping a little bit. So, Well, if it makes you feel any better, that's how my flu started. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. That's yeah. exactly, and I've had people at work that have been sick, so I am I am concerned. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a test. Uh, I'll pass. <laughs> if yeah. I get sick, I'll just lay in bed till I'm better. <laughs> well, you said the flu doesn't affect you anyway, so. It generally don't. So, <laughs> But as soon as I say that, this will be the year. Because every few years, I get a, a nice bout with it and be sick a day or so. So That's not... <laughs> that's not the flu that's what i'm saying well maybe maybe not i don't know but i don't want to be sick at all so i did do a lot of laying around yeah i, I, I didn't have a lot of energy it did suck the, the energy out of me yeah um and then of course what because i'm an old man and i had problems my whole life um with back spasms um, oh yeah you know whenever i get anything where i'm coughing and sneezing eventually it's gonna your back starts messing up yeah <laughs> And so that happened too. So then I'm I'm walking around all funny with like, <laughs> you know, like my pelvis pushed forward because I can't stand quite straight and, yeah. <laughs> and so forth. And I look even older than I am. 
terrible. Gotta love it. And- yeah, yeah. Well, um, things happened. And uh, we were going to talk about them last week, but yeah, I got the flu. <laughs> but Mike was sick. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about them this week instead. Um, the big one is, of course, the FTX bankruptcy. Yeah. And I thought this was a, kind of a fun little story to tell because um, there's some things about it that I'm not sure that everybody realizes, and I want to make sure that, that you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the basics of this is the FTX was a crypto exchange, um, a cryptocurrency exchange that also had its own cryptocurrency token, the FTT. Um, the former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, who I think is a guy... I, it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, misappropriated. <laughs> this is the short version of what happened, obviously. Yeah. Um, he misappropriated some customer funds, um, and he was using those funds uh, for marketing and political donations and to prop up his failing hedge fund. Hmm. Um, and uh, so, which obviously he's not supposed to do. Yeah. Those things are not legal. Yeah, I mean that's not what that money's there to do, right? Right. It's yeah. it's customer deposits. It's, it's the customers' deposits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Binance, which I guess is another exchange, yeah. um, announced that they were liquidating their FTT, the the crypto token, yeah, from this exchange. Um, in order, to, in in other words, like selling it all to turn it into other currencies. Yeah, and uh, and this caused caused a run on FTX for the FTT where everybody was trying to exchange their FTT for real money yeah. or real er money, I guess. Yeah. Other money. Other money. Yeah. Anyway. We'll use that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, FTX didn't have the liquid assets or it seems, um, assets of any kind to cover all of the, uh, the customer accounts. And so he filed bankruptcy and then stepped down. Yeah. <laughs> and let somebody else take And over. so all the people who were holding these tokens or coins or whatever mm-hmm. are just SOL. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as of right now, like they haven't been able to cash in their Yeah, there's coins a bankruptcy yet. process and assets will, will be liquidated. and So they may get know, a percentage back. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the company is based in the Bahamas. Yeah which makes it not actually subject to U.S. law. Um, so, well... I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Yeah, um, it's there's a jurisdictional question, though, anyway. Yeah. And uh, so I, I've, <laughs> I think that this is really interesting because um, what was going on here is exactly what every single commercial bank in the U.S. does also. Yeah. There's no real difference. I mean, this is fractional reserve banking. Yeah. Is that he took customer deposits and used them for other things and only had a portion of the customer deposits covered. Uh, And actually, he probably had a higher proportion of the customer deposits covered than... Your standard bank. Than your average corporate bank. Yeah. But the the difference is if I understand correctly, is that the banks are covered by FDIC. This is true, but only up to, it only saves only a certain amount. Like a, it's like 150000 Yeah, it's not, and they they upped it a couple of years ago. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, it's it's that neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. 
so what that means is that you, if you have um, ten million dollars deposited into your bank and your and there's a run on your bank, yeah, they would have to file bankruptcy because they would not have the liquid assets to to pay off all the customer accounts, just like happened here. Yeah. Except the difference is that you're guaranteed to get 150000 of your $10 million back. <laughs> right. So you better be spreading that about amongst a bunch of banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's something to, to comment on, too, is that um, the th- so because of this, there's a big push for regulation of the cryptocurrencies. Oh, yeah. And but that's what regulation does is it protects the bank, <laughs> not, yeah. not the depositors. Yeah. So. I don't. What would happen if, what would happen if this had been legislated, is that what he did would be perfectly legal. Yeah. And the taxpayer would be on the hook to pay a portion of all of the credits. Yeah. And he might not would have even had to have stepped down. And he might not would have had to step down. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, for those of you that are that are out there that think, oh, well, this is just shows that this stuff needs to be regulated. It doesn't. Everything that he did wrong is already illegal. Yeah. And all regulation does is make it legal. Yeah. Because he's doing everything that other banks do too, except that they're regulated. And so it's legal for them to do yeah. what he did. Yeah. That That's really the difference. Um, <laughs> now, the other portion of this is like some of the things that he was doing with these customer funds is kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, so I mentioned that he uh, used it partially for political donations and that's to the tune of like $40 million to Democrat candidates really, and to the party, I guess. Yeah. Um, a- apparently the reporting is that he was the second largest don- donor to the Democrat party. Um, Next to what's his name that everybody's Soros, yeah, Soros that everybody's terrified of for some reason. Yeah. Um. So the other thing is that he was facilitating uh, cryptocurrency donations to Ukraine. Yeah. And um, so what was happening there is that he set up a a, a fund to accept um, cryptocurrency donations that his company FTX was converting into fiat currency for deposit into the bank of Ukraine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I heard some reporting that he was also facilitating the exchanges from the U S government to them, but I couldn't verify that. Yeah. So I think somebody was just misspeaking when they said that I could, I could be wrong though. that I, could I, also yeah. be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, this just becomes kind of a big circle yeah. Uh, because the Ukrainian government also invested into FTX yeah. and then FTX was donating to Democrat party. <laughs> and so to me, it started to look like um, that this was just another one of these um, scandals that I say scandals, though it's totally legal apparently yeah. um, of privatizing public funds. And using those privatized public funds to secure more public funds. So kind of what was happening is that people were donating to Ukraine and um, he was uh, converting the money to uh, currency for Ukraine to use, which they were then using to give currency to him, which he was then using to give currency to the U.S. government, which was then being um, lobbied to give more money to Ukraine. Yeah. (laughs) 
right? So we got to participate in our own s- scandal, like yeah. And uh, and this is just a Ponzi scheme. Like the whole thing is just a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. But um, this is the part that I find to be the most interesting is is one that he was doing the same thing with his his currency that all commercial banks do. Um, and yeah. probably to a lesser degree than commercial banks do. Yeah. And the only reason that he's in trouble is because it wasn't regulated. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have prevented this from happening because the regulated industry does this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so, so my question would be, why doesn't the regulated industry have this collapse like FTX has? Because people don't run on the banks in the same way. Like if somebody said, but if that, it happened, but if it happened, we'd be in the same place that we were in 1929. Yeah, yeah. So what's really preventing that from happening, though? Customer confidence. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep I believing, mean, everybody. It, that's it. I mean, that's what was keeping him afloat too. The yeah. the only reason that this happened is because this big crypto exchange announced that they were liquidating all of their. Yeah, but this tokens. guy's only been around what a decade. Maybe a little more. Well, and see, that's another part of it is that he um, he's well connected. Yeah. Uh, so his parent, well, I should say his parents are well connected, yeah. and that's probably why he got such large investment is because they felt that they would be protected because his parents were well connected. Yeah, I got you. There, there was protection from the connection. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, but the the second part that I find interesting is this. Um, the circular uh, transfer of the of our money, yeah, um, and and this is something that goes on in the military industrial complex and a whole bunch of other kinds of government contractors where uh, they take the money from the public, um, they give the money to you know some country or some industry, and what you know what Ukraine's supposed to do, of course, with the money that that we give them is they're supposed to buy weapons from our weapons manufacturers. Yeah. Yeah. And so um what happens is that the the public at large, the taxpayer is fleeced, is is mugged. No. Yeah. Their money is taken, given to a private entity somewhere along the wa- uh, along the way, which uses the profits to then lobby the government to give them more of your money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we're seeing it certainly on display through the Ukraine thing. And so between this and the, this guy's connections to to all this and uh, one of the really frustrating part is that he set himself up to be this great uh, philanthropist or whatever. <laughs> also, yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos where he's talking about earn to give and yeah, um, saw, how he's donating so such big donations to this, that and the other. And he's he's fighting for all the progressive causes yeah. and so on. And um, what he's it's actually It's like the worst with. type of swindler. Yeah, like, he's a con artist. Yeah, exactly. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least till now. Yeah. And I would honestly be surprised if he if he suffers any serious consequences as a result. I wouldn't expect him to. Me neither. So, and on the on that point, or shifting topics, I guess, uh, using the war, the... Um, the U.S.'s uh, NPR came out, and when I say NPR, I don't mean National Public Radio. I mean the Nuclear Posture Review oh, okay. uh, came out end of October, yeah. and um, there's some interesting things in it okay. that we should discuss All right. so that people know just how 
scary our nuclear policy is. Well, I haven't heard any of this, so this is news to me, so I'm excited to hear. Okay, um, I am going to go out on a limb here yeah. and say that the United States nuclear policy is the most dangerous nuclear policy in the world. Okay. All right, and I will try to support this. All right. <laughs> uh, so in the Nuclear Posture Review, it said that the U.S. is willing to use a nuclear first strike against conventional forces, not just in response to a nuclear attack. Um, yeah. So the uh, or against countries that don't have nuclear weapons, no. um, only have conventional army uh, to quote defend the vital interests of the United States or its allies, Ooh. or partners. <laughs> so, end quote. That's an interesting policy. Yeah, so uh, the U.S. has declared that it will use nuclear weapons um, without being threatened by nuclear weapons from someone else yeah. against conventional forces, not only to defend the territory of the United States, yeah. but to defend the vital interests of the United States. Yeah. And the way I read this, and I, maybe I'm, I'm, I mean, the way it's written, this is how it looks, uh, not only to defend the territory of its allies, but to defend the vital interests Whatever yeah. that means. What, which could be completely separate. Like, yeah, of yeah. its allies. Yeah. And not only to defend its own and its allies' territories and vital interests, but the territories and vital interests of its partners, which is about the loosest term that you can possibly put out there. Which is about anybody, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, that's... Um, the way I read that. Which is, you know, why China might be concerned about the Taiwan thing. Yeah. Right? Since yeah. Taiwan is not an ally of the United States. It's a partner. Or is it even a partner? I mean, I guess it is. What's yeah. a partner? Yeah. Well, that's kind of, that's that's what I'm trying to is, figure out. Is anybody yeah. we trade with a partner? Well, I would is, think so. Is anybody that we have diplomatic relations with a partner? I mean, we're... What? I mean, to me, that means anybody we trade with. I mean, when when you say partner in that way, I just that's where I where my mind goes is is trade partners. Yeah. So um, the U.S. is willing to use nuclear weapons to defend it, its territory and or its vital interests for itself, its allies, and its partners. Yeah. Now, um, China, who has like, between three and four hundred thermonuclear weapons. Uh, has declared and recommitted that they have a no first use policy. Really? That they will not use nuclear weapons unless nuclear weapons are used against them. Yeah. Okay. Um, Russia uh, has said that it will use nuclear weapons against conventional forces, but only if the existence of the state is threatened. Yeah. And uh, Putin, coincidentally, on the same day that this nuclear posture review came out, yeah. um, said publicly that he that, that Russia would not use nuclear weapons to defend the new territories in Ukraine that it claims is its own. That's an interesting yeah. take. So uh, by far, um, the U.S. has the most liberal policy on the use of nuclear weapons, is, yeah. is willing to use nuclear weapons under the most circumstances. Um, and of course, the, the other part of that to, to consider is that the U.S. has by far the most powerful conventional army in the world already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On top of the probably the most nukes. I mean, uh, Russia has a like 
a handful I think fewer more. than a thousand more or something like that. They, yeah. I mean, but it wouldn't matter. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, and when you get into we, those type of numbers, yeah. like it doesn't and matter. I say that they may have. I don't know what the total number of weapons that the two countries have. I, I think that um, Russia has uh, like fewer than a thousand more deployed nuclear weapons, like so ready to go. Yeah, nuclear yeah. weapons. But um, of course, but when they're you're Russian, talking about so five to only, six thousand. Only half of them may go off anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Russians are known as being terrible engineers. Exactly. Um, so, uh, and, and when you're talking about having five to 6,000 thermonuclear weapons anyway. Yeah, it doesn't. Even if only half of them go off, it's enough. <laughs> yeah. Pick, pick the 2,000 cities in the U.S. you'd like to get rid of. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's exactly. only 40 per state, so yeah, you know, there's plenty left over. Yeah. Um, where like our county would get bombed because it would be big enough to right. merit in, the, in that case. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the, um, uh, the illustrations of the nuclear policy for the U S and I, I suspect that Russia's is built kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, they're dropping bombs on craters over and over and over again. Because yeah. in order to make sure that they hit a particular target, they will target it over and over and over and over again. Really? And so there are places from the illustrations I've seen of the um, the nuclear plan for the U.S., there will be like 40 thermonuclear weapons that just hit Moscow. Yeah, yeah. That's in uh, case the first... Three don't go off. We need, you know, yeah, 37 th more. Exactly. <laughs> and, well, you know, if the plane gets shot down or the missile gets shot down or it misses its target or... Uh, yeah. But still, um, it, it is uh, incredibly redundant. Yeah. And I suspect that their plan is, the is built the same. Yeah. So. Um, also, Daniel Ellsberg in his book says that that wouldn't even work because the the first weapon that goes off... Um, necessarily changes the flight plans of any bombers or whatever that would want to pass over that area again. Right. Like it couldn't even be done the way it's planned. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Um, so I, I just, I think that we should know. Now, of course, I, I push for um, the abolition of nuclear weapons entirely. I think that yeah. it, it is a threat that's too great to, to remain. Uh, although I did get in a debate with my uncle once again, um, about whether individuals should be able to own nuclear weapons, which I said yes. Yeah. And I said, but the when it comes down to it, I'm for the abolition of nuclear weapons entirely. I don't think anyone should have them. Yeah. But here's the position. If anyone can have them, then anyone <laughs> can have yeah. them. Yeah. And that's the only way to... I mean, we want yeah. equality here, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that what we're going <laughs> yeah. for in nuclear weaponry? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I want mutually ensured destruction with my neighbor. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, if you bomb your neighbor, it is mutually assured destruction. <laughs> well, there you sure. go. Uh, which is Not probably... if you use a tactical. I mean... <laughs> No, even, I don't know how much property you have. Actually, I do know how much property you have. So you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be in trouble. Yeah. I, for the same reason that uh, Russia is probably um, committed to not using nuclear weapons in Ukraine because it would be just as damaging to Russia as it would be to Ukraine. Right. Prevailing winds from Ukraine go right into Russia. So <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of silly to use weapons on their border like that. Yeah. But... Uh, so that that's the most important point is just how 
openly willing the U.S. seems to be to use nuclear weapons. Yeah. Well, we're the only country that ever used them. So. And yes. You know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hopefully it remains that way and it's never used again. But yeah. as long as they're out there, there's the possibility. Yeah. Even by mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, back to Daniel Ellsberg's book, The Doomsday Device, I think is what it was called. Uh, we've come really close a lot yeah. to an accident that yeah. starting a, a nuclear war. Yeah. Or any kind of nuclear accident is just, anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Um, so the next thing is, that was interesting um, is the their talk about Iran yeah. in the nuclear posture review. So Iran and North Korea, of course, come up quite a bit. Yeah. North Korea, we know, has nuclear weapons. Yeah. Um, Do they have a first strike policy? No. Actually, no. Really? Okay. Uh, U.S. and Russia are the only two countries that I'm aware of um, that have at least have openly stated that they're willing to use nuclear weapons when nuclear weapons have not been used against them. Okay. So like e even India and I think Pakistan have, have stated that they would not use nuclear weapons against yeah. conventional forces. Okay. North Korea as well. Of yeah. course, North Korea, like North Korea wants everybody to know that they've got them, but they want everybody to be assured that they're not going to use them unless they're used against them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's well, how that's, they defend themselves. That's basically their his um, insurance policy. Exactly. Like that's that's the whole point there. Exactly, and that's probably also why the U.S. and Russia are the most willing to use nuclear weapons. You know, outside of are the only ones willing to use nuclear weapons, or that have stated that they use nuclear weapons as a first strike. Yeah, um, is because they have less to be worried about. Yeah being attacked. Uh, so anyway, um, but I Iran's interesting because of course the worst thing that Trump did while he was in office was, uh, tear up the JCPOA. Yeah. Well, I say that he also tore up some nuclear treaties. Maybe right now, maybe those are the worst things that he did, yeah. but, um, at least uh, for a at long the time, time, at yeah, the time, yeah. I was saying that the, um, ending the JCPOA, the, um, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iran nuclear deal, uh, was the worst thing that he did um, because that deal made the world a safer place. Yeah. And Biden was committed on the campaign trail to going back into the deal. Yeah. But of course, he couldn't just do it. Yeah. And so um, he wanted to get more concessions from Iran. And they weren't willing to drop sanctions until Iran agreed to other concessions and so on and so forth. And Iran was like, no, we already had a deal. You yeah. broke the deal. Yeah. You want the deal back, then sign the deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and the Biden administration wasn't willing to do that. And now um, Robert Malley, who's the U.S. special envoy for Iran, said that the U.S. Uh, isn't going to waste their time with the JCPOA right now with the other things that are going on. Oh, really? Right. Um, but in the Nuclear Posture Review, it states, and I'm going to quote again here, um, quote, Iran does not today possess a nuclear weapon, and we currently believe it is not pursuing one, end quote. Yeah. All right. So, so that's the truth. Probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say yes. I, I guess you can't ever know for sure, but there's... Yeah. There's a That's the truth as the government understands it. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's that's what the intelligence agencies got together and said. That's what the yeah. military complex said. Exactly. Um yeah. ab about Iran's nu 
quote unquote nuclear power. Yeah. Um, now, of course, we've been saying that the whole time this podcast has existed. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the Iran is a theocracy. Um, it's completely religiously ruled. Yeah. Even though they claim to be a republic, and the the Ayatollah, the holy leader, the absolute man in charge, both the last one and the current one, yeah, have both said that nuclear weapons go against the tenets of Islam. Yeah. That it is a sin <laughs> to, to use nuclear weapons. Yeah. <coughs> but is it a sin to possess them? Well, if you're not going to use them. Why would you? I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, um, there was a point in time where they, were, they had a, like an academic interest in the sense that they were looking at what they would need yeah. to produce a nuclear weapon should they choose to pursue one. Yeah. But they never began work on any kind of nuclear program other than their civilian nuclear program. Yeah. Of course, right now, the U.S. is, is angry about them, um, you know, enriching uranium beyond the, uh, the bounds that the JCPOA kept them in, which they didn't start doing till a year after the U.S. had left the JCPOA, and it was obvious that they weren't coming back in. Yeah. Which they are entitled to do under the JCPOA when the deal is broken. Yeah. So on and so on. So they're they're actually still functioning within the deal. Yeah. Which I find interesting. Um, but <coughs> excuse me, I haven't now I've been talking all day and so <laughs> yeah. Um they did go on after that uh that statement about them not possessing a nuclear weapon and not pursuing one. Um that they're, uh, they and they were talking about this nuclear enrichment and, and other uh, things. Um, the, they have recent activities uh, that were previously constrained by the JCPOA. Um, or, or they've been engaged in, in activities that were previously constrained by the JCPOA that make it easier for Iran to pursue a nuclear weapon if they choose to do so. Oh, really? Yeah. So then going back to Robert Malley and his statement that um, getting back into the JCPOA is a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to quote Ted Snyder at antiwar.com. Um, and uh, he said, quote, It is a waste of time to negotiate a deal to stop Iran from developing a weapon that the U.S. believes it is not pursuing. It is not a waste of time to renegotiate an agreement that, quote, previously constrained the very activities the U.S. hopes to constrain. Yeah. End quote. Right. So, um, and, and that's where we are. So the, the U.S. Um, is afraid of Iran developing a nuclear weapon, and so they entered the JCPOA. But then they left the JCPOA with claims that Iran was breaking the deal, although there's absolutely no evidence to support that. Yeah. Now... Um, they wouldn't re-enter the deal unless uh, it wasn't unless it wasn't the deal that they had originally signed. There were more requirements placed on Iran, and the claim is that because Iran is not under the nuclear deal, that they're more of a nuclear threat. Yeah. But it's a waste of time to go back into the deal because the U.S. understands that the Iran is not developing a nuclear weapon and doesn't have one. Yeah. But. They could develop one more easily, but the things that they're doing that would allow them to develop one more easily were previously constrained by the JCPOA that we're not willing to go back into. <laughs> That's government at work. Yeah, no joke, man. 
So that's all I have on that. And I, I guess I, I only have a couple more little things. Um, and we'll try and wrap this up quickly because you can't talk and I'm getting to a point where I can't talk and I'm getting real sniffly and nobody wants to listen to me sniffle for the rest of the podcast. So uh, th- this is just a little bit of information that I heard. Um, and I pulled this clip and I just found it interesting. I only want to talk about it for a minute, but I want everybody to hear this. So here we go. All right. The Biden administration says that Mohammed bin Salman should get sovereign immunity from lawsuits linked to the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. If a judge agrees, a civil suit filed by Khashoggi's fiance against the Saudi crown prince will likely be dismissed. Okay. This is why I thought this was interesting. Is because if you stop and think about it, this is just an example of U.S. overreach anyway. Now, of course, Biden's saying that um, Mohammed bin Salman should have sovereign immunity uh, against a civil suit filed by Khashoggi's fiance Mm. uh, for the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. Now, what I can't figure out is why the U.S. would have any jurisdiction over this at all under any circumstances. Because this crime took place in Turkey. Yeah. Not in the U.S. Jamal Khashoggi is a Saudi Arabian citizen. Yeah. Not U.S. Yeah. And the person who is being, they're trying to hold responsible for this, Mohammed bin Salman, is the Saudi crown prince. Yeah. He's not a U.S. citizen. And the person filing the civil suit, um, and I found out some really interesting things about Jamal Khashoggi's personal life, by the way, as I was looking into this. Yeah. Um, She's a Turk. (laughs) Yeah. Not a U.S. citizen. It's because we're the police of the world. We have to be involved in everything. I mean, that's that's what it is. Like that's at least that's how how we see it. Yeah. And when I first heard the um, clip, I I had it in my head that they said uh, Jamal Khashoggi's wife, uh, who's a different person than his fiance. Oh, okay. Interestingly, yeah. Um. He's been married at least three times and been divorced at least twice. Yeah. Possibly three times. Um, as I recall... It's hard to keep up. Yeah. As I recall, um, the reason that he was at the embassy in Turkey was to pick up papers to try and marry the Turkish girl, the, this fiancé. Oh. Um, but the wife, if she's still his wife, is Egyptian, also not a U.S. citizen. Yeah. So uh, why the U.S.? I mean, and people are up in arms about this. Yeah. That Biden would let him get away with this. But the U.S. US law has absolutely no reach here at all. Yeah. None of the people involved are U.S. citizens on either side of the case, and it didn't happen on U.S. soil. So, uh... What are we supposed to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why does this involve us at all? Yeah. Um... And then the the final thing that I wanted to talk about um, was the uh, the missile that landed in Poland. Oh yeah. All right. So this um, things happened really fast after this missile blew up in Poland, killed two Polish citizens. Yeah. And um, Volodymyr Zelensky was screaming and yelling about how this should trigger Article Five of the NATO agreement, and that NATO should immediately go to war with Russia. 
I tell you, man, this guy just wants to start World War Three. Well, it's uh, it's, it's yeah. in his interest. I mean, I it, mean it, it's in his interest to get NATO on his side. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I don't think it's in anybody's interest to start World War Three. Well, I agree with that, but he's still pushing for it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would definitely benefit Ukraine to have uh, the NATO alliance backing them militarily, like well, yeah. actually in the fight with them, yeah. not just giving him a bunch of stuff, which I would say is backing him militarily anyway. Yeah. Regardless. Um, so this missile that landed in Poland that was in initially um, said, at least by Ukraine, to be a Russian missile and that and to be the reason that the NATO should get involved in the war more actively. Um, uh, by all accounts at this point, it was a Ukrainian missile. Right. So, um, first thing, does that mean that we should trigger, that NATO should trigger Article 5 and go to war against Ukraine? No. Funny how that doesn't seem to come up as an option. (laughs) Um, now, uh, the, you know, I, I wanted to take it from the counterfactual. So let's say that it was a Russian missile. Yeah that landed on a farm in Poland and killed uh, two Polish citizens. Yeah. Should that trigger Article 5? I mean, are, are we willing, is NATO willing to declare war on Russia for what would have been obviously a mistake? Because there's no tactical yeah. or strategic value to landing this, this missile where, yeah. <laughs> where they did. It would be an obvious mistake, but it, would that obvious mistake trigger article five anyway like why would this even come up yeah um i I certainly hope not (laughs) yeah Uh, it certainly hasn't uh triggered article five now that we know that it was a ukrainian mistake instead of a russian mistake yeah that's true ukraine is not a member of nato either yeah (laughs) all right Mm -hmm. so um and and then the thing that i really want to draw attention to is uh when Zelensky was saying that the that NATO should get involved now that uh, because Russia had attacked them, I have a hard time believing that the Ukrainian military and Volodymyr Zelensky himself did not know that it was their own missile. Yeah, I have to believe that they knew where their missile landed. You would think so. <laughs> and so then he's just uh, he's just a liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's the truth. Like, I mean, he's well, he has an agenda. Yeah, like. and uh, and so I just want people to to bear that in mind when um, all these reports come out of Ukraine about this, that, and the other thing that the Russian army is doing. Yeah, uh, is that this one? Um, we know that he was wrong, and there is good reason to believe that he knew that he was wrong too, which yeah. means that he was lying about it, yeah. um, trying to trigger a war between NATO and Russia to help his country out. Yeah. Um, and that he is absolutely willing to lie to get that to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for all the... Well, it makes you wonder what else he'd be willing to do. Like, would he be willing to to false flag something? Yeah, set up his own attack to and yeah, and, make it and, look and, like the Russians? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does make you wonder that. Uh, I wasn't going to push that far into the tinfoil hat I mean, it it is is, worth mentioning. It is like, I mean, like I said, it's just, I mean, that just shows you who you're dealing with. And, uh, and for all the hero worshipers out there of Vladimir Zelensky, like he's just as corrupt as the rest of them. Oh, absolutely. No question about that. And in fact, through all of the, I mean, this is kind of the running theme of today is just the corruption 
um, within government. Yeah. And uh, I, there's only one way to get rid of the corruption. And so whether it's the, um, the government involvement in uh, private industry that makes most of its money off of government contracts that are paid for with taxpayer money, um, like the military industrial complex, whether it's government corruption of uh, knowing the right people to protect your family members or whatever from, um, from any kind of legal, um, attack, um, regardless of what it is, or, you know, it's corruption like this where you're just, uh, willing to lie to get other, um, other nations to fall in line with your agenda. There's, I, I know that there's a bunch of idealists out there who believe that if you just get the right people into government, that, you know, this thing won't happen. And I just don't believe that that's true. That people are by their very nature self-interested. And so corruption is going to happen. And the only way that you can limit the corruption in government is not to get rid of corruption in government, it's to take away the power. The only way that you can limit the corruption in government is to take away the power. Because the less power there is, the less need there is for corruption. The less of a draw for corrupt people and practices. Yeah. Um, if they can't control as much as they are able to control right now, then the corruption just becomes unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, and I don't mean unnecessary like they will, they'll get it the other, the other way. I just mean that, that corruption in government is the worst kind of corruption because government is the only, um, entity that has a legal monopoly on the use of force to get its way. Yeah. And it's not to say that others can't use force to get their way and that corruption is, isn't bad there. It is. But government has the legal monopoly of the use of force. They can use force legally to get their way. Yeah. And that's what makes them so dangerous. Exactly. And we can close there. Unless you got something more. No. I mean, I just, when talking about just the power of government and stuff, I just think back to like, your local HOA and the p- type of people who tend to run those type things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't find quality, good people to run your local HOA, yeah. why do you think you're going to find quality, good people to run a massive, powerful government? I mean, it just, it, it doesn't exist. The, 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 the trick is, is to pull the power. Like you were saying. Yeah. Like that's, that's how you, you start to, and you, you may never wind it back. Perfect. But we've went so far in one direction as far as powerful government. Um, the only way to fix any of this is to go the other way. Well, and even by design, um, our government was supposed to be competitive within itself. The, that was the idea of the separation of powers is that all of the various branches of government would jealously guard the powers that they had. Yeah. And that would that would by its nature limit the powers of of each of, of the, the other whole. branches yeah. and, and of the whole. But what's happened is that they, they just collude. Yeah. Um, they're all on the same side Yeah, as it turns out. And so they, uh, they support and defend each other against the citizenry against us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And I don't think that that's avoidable. So the only thing that you can do about it, it, you can't eliminate corruption. You can eliminate the damage that corruption can do. And the only way to do that is to limit the power. There you go. And uh, we're a little short, especially after missing a week, but um, 
we're about at the point where neither of us can talk anymore. So yeah, yeah I was going to say, I don't have a lot left in me. I haven't even really been talking, but I, I'm just spent, man. <laughs> yeah. I cannot breathe through my nose at this point. So I'm, I'm, I gotta do something about that too. So, um, but we, you know, what is the, because we're on the road next week. So we're on the road next Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it we depends. We want to record up there probably. I mean, I, I would kind of like to. I'd like to. Um, I think that's definitely in the cards. Um, so I don't know. Do we try to get one out before we leave and another bonus one up there? Or do we? how early we want to leave on Friday if we want to record on Thursday. Yeah. I'm going to tell you <laughs> Thursday is going to be tough for me. Yeah. Or, um. We could drive through the night on Thursday and then, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. We'll so, need to hash it out. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get a, we'll get at least one podcast out probably uh, later in the week, next week. Cause I think it'll just be easier to record up there. It's easy enough so. to take the stuff. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, it doesn't take up that much room and there's only three of us in a car. We got plenty of room. Absolutely. We're only up there for three days or whatever. Four yeah. days. Something like that. So, well, two days on the road, two days there right four days total yep yeah so um anyway uh we we shouldn't have great big bags or anything and we ought to have room for this like box and a half worth of stuff i think we can do it yeah i don't know we may have to make room for food and on the way back we may have to make room for booze (laughs) there you go we'll take a bunch of food and then we'll make room when we eat all the food and bring the booze back okay that sounds like a plan <laughs> all right so um so we'll be back next week uh in the meantime you can follow us on facebook yep. you can subscribe on itunes podbean and youtube uh like and share um comment uh review uh tell your friends and all that other stuff. Cause all those things help us. Um, the more interaction we get with our stuff on the, on the, the platforms. sites. Yep. Yeah. On the various platforms, um, the more reach we have and, and we like reach. Absolutely. So, um, so do that cause that helps us and we appreciate it. And, uh, we'll be back next week when we finally get this right. And in the meantime, try to stay free. Life short, love free. Ciao. Later. Later.